great to see you. My name's Colin, for anyone who doesn't know who I am. It's really great to see you this morning. Uh, I want to extend my welcome to any guests we might have here. Again, you're really welcome to be with us this morning. We're at the start, as you can see, because we're doing things a little bit different, of our summer series. So we're doing it a little bit different. I can't quite believe that the summer holidays is already upon us. I can't quite believe we're there. Got to start thinking of some plans to do stuff with the kids. But um, we're going to do some things a little bit differently. Over the next six weeks, the next six Sundays, we're going to spend some time thinking about one part of our worship that we do together, singing. But I don't want you to worry. I'm not going to do any extended singing to you. So there are, I really would like to keep you in here for a little bit longer. You might think it sounds a bit odd to focus on one aspect of our singing for such a long time, but we're going to see how important singing is for us. These next six Sundays, we're going to spend the first bit of time, as we've done this morning, singing a couple of songs, and then we're going to have some different people come and talk to us and to to hear some stuff, and then we're going to have a longer time to respond together. Over the weeks, we're going to see things like why we sing, the joy and the privilege of singing, the importance of our hearts and minds in it, and how we can cultivate this at home, privately, in our devotion to God, and also together. But most of all, this is meant to be a very responsive series over these six weeks. We're going to hear some stuff, some thoughts, and then we're going to I'm going to talk a bit and then we're going to have plenty of opportunity to come and respond and do and I hope by the end of my talk you're going to be willing me to get off of here not I hope because it's so bad but because you want to come and respond to the one it's all about Jesus we need to talk about singing because it is important and it's amazing and it's one of the ways that we come into his presence and we express his truth and we enjoy him publicly together and privately Let's not miss out on the joy that it is to sing. So I'm going to be uh, flicking in various parts of the, uh, the Bible today. So if you've got a Bible, great. But all the words should come up on the, the screen behind you to make it a bit easier. We're going to start in Psalm 95. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Let's get this straight. Singing is not just a Christian thing. It's a human thing, isn't it? We were created to sing, young and old. We love to do it. It can't be stopped. From Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, to and Happy Birthday to You, to the recent It's Coming Home. I mean, I know you're not going to sing it with me because it's not coming home this time. But you only had to say that for a moment. And people, we didn't even, hadn't even heard the songs before. My, my little four-year-old was singing it in the instant that we'd done it. Because it, it kind of gripped us as a country, didn't it? And uh, it voiced a unity and a hope that we desperately crave and we don't actually have. It's amazing hearing hundreds and then thousands of voices singing the same song together. It's powerful and it's stirring. It's just so natural to us, isn't it? We sing in the good times, in celebrations. There was a wedding here yesterday. There would have been plenty of songs. And we sing in the bad times and times of loss, at funerals. We sing of love and romance. We sing for joy. It's emotive. It's uplifting. It can be really funny. And it stirs us deep within. We all love to sing. We sing in the car. We sing in the shower. We sing while we're washing up. We've all had those embarrassing moments when you're sitting in the car and you're singing a song as you're driving along. 
Oh, that's almost a song there. And, and you're driving along and you're totally into that moment. And you've completely lo- lost with where you are. And you pull up at the lights and then you're undone by the fact that you're looking next to a load of people looking at you thinking you're mad. And you, but we all do it, don't we? We all sing. I love singing. I sing and I hum all the time at home when I'm on my own, much to the frustration of my wife. Because I usually start, I get one part of a song and I go over and over and over that one part. And apparently, I'm told, an increasingly whiny sort of way. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't think of it as sounding like that. Obviously, I think it's sounding quite good. When I sing, particularly when I'm washing up, that's what I like to do. I like to sing when I'm washing up or hum. I start to imagine my dulcet uh, tunes uh, wowing audiences up and down the country. People start, wow, look at this guy. This is amazing. That's what I start to think of my voice as wonderful and bordering on perfect, if I'm honest. I could be winning the next X Factor competition. We've got the judges like Simon Cow standing to ovation, crying, more, Colin, more, sing more. And then I come down to the ground with a bump when my wife says, Colin, will you stop? Will you just stop? Well, my kids, even worse, putting their hands over their ears and saying, Daddy, stop, no more. It really hurts. When I first became a Christian, I, I, I came back to church and although I, um, I still was wrestling with some things theologically, I, I, I used to love the singing bit. I used to come and do that. And uh, I had a friend with me who, who was, uh, was a great friend and he used to bring me along each week. And he used to encourage me. And um, only true friends can say truth straight up to you, can't they? One day as we sat down after singing, sat down, he said to me, Cole, I want to tell you something. When you sing, and I said, yeah. Well, I'm thinking in my head, what, when I sing, what? What's, what's, what are you going to say? When you sing, you sound a bit like a dead dog. <laughs> I mean, that is blunt, isn't it? That, that hurts, but I guess that's true friendship, isn't it? I think uh, in his case, I hope, and I, I know he was joking a bit, but uh, my point is whether we sing well or we sing not so well, singing is a natural thing for us to do. Just on a side note on that dead dog bit, I remember a preach that Dave Holden gave, and uh, yeah, I can't remember the, 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 the main thrust of it, but he was talking about singing. And he was saying, whether you sing badly or good, it really doesn't matter. Because as you sing, as it goes up to heaven, it gets refined, it's redeemed. And it gets to the point where it's heavenly voices. So it really doesn't matter. I'm not sure of the theology, but it's Dave. And I'm pretty sure he knows what he's talking about. So I'm going to go with that and hold on to it. The point is, we sing from the heart. It's It's the heart that matters and not the voice. It's a gift from God that we sing. Bad voice. So what? It's a heart thing. The question isn't, do I have a voice, but do I have a song? And if you're a worshipper, forgiven and reconciled to God through the atoning work of Jesus Christ, then the answer is a resounding yes, we have a song. Perhaps you were a kid who was told to mouth the words to, when you sing a song instead of sing them. Or you were told that maybe the choir isn't the best use of your time and your talents. But if you can speak, you can sing. The truth is that God designed us to sing and he gave us everything that we need to sing as well as he wants us to. He's far less concerned with our tunefulness than our integrity. Christian singing begins with the heart and not the lips. The Apostle Paul says that to, to the church. He says in Ephesians 5, 19, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with, with your heart. Sung worship isn't about, firstly, about music, techniques, songs or styles. It's about our hearts. And it's about what and who we love more than anything. 
J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings, said, <clears throat> wrote that, we are not only made, but made in the image and likeness of a maker. We sing because God sings. Listen to this in Zephaniah 3.17. It should come up. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will exalt over you by his love. He'll exalt over you with loud singing. Loud singing. That passage is an amazing passage. There's so much in there for us to, to go over. But for this morning, look at what God is doing. He's singing. Loud singing, not looking over his shoulder. Unashamed singing. The Lord our God is a singing God. It's part of who he is. And because we're made in his image, it's part of who we are too. There's an overflow in that passage, a spilling over of his love, and the result is singing. And we know that to be true, don't we? Great love inspires song. It's the crown that makes the joy complete. It's almost like there can't be any other response. We know that written words can be beautiful. There's amazing stuff, uh, descriptions and stuff in written word. But it's like they, they can't quite express the deep emotion within us, and so it flows out in harmony. Again, that's a reflection of who he is. Our God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect unity and harmony together. The creation itself, that's us, the earth, the universe, is filled with this deep harmony of God. I'm going to read from Psalm 98, 4, and 9, 4 to 9. It says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Listen to this. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. When we sing as God's people, it brings us into line with the whole of the rest of creation. I remember a time before I became a Christian, I went on holiday to South Africa with a, a friend of mine who was a Christian. And I've long been fascinated with the stars and the planets and the universe. I completely love it, astronomy, anything to do with it. And I'd, uh, I had many questions at that point about the possibility of life elsewhere. There's a vast universe. There's all these planets. There's got to be other stuff there. It can't just be... Well, I mean, what's the point of it? And my friend and I looked at one of the most perfect night skies I've ever seen. I've seen two. I just want to say this. There was one in Winchelsea Beach in Rye in this country. It was amazing, if you can believe that. But this one was in South Africa, and it was in the middle of nowhere. It was beautiful and stirring, regardless of faith. Absolutely grey with stars. There was no light pollution. You might know what I mean when I say it was so beautiful. It was so breathtaking that you're kind of speechless but at the same time, you want to kind of talk. You want to say something to, 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 to in, in response to this. And after a while, I said to my friend about my belief that this, this vastness, these millions of galaxies, stars, planets, the like, is, what's the point of it? There's got to be other life there. And he said something to me that totally changed my thinking. I didn't become a Christian at that point, but I never stopped thinking about what he said. At that point, when I was searching, searching for God, I, I longed for the peace that his answer provided me. He said to me that he simply believed that these beautiful stars, the huge universe, was created to sing and shout the glory of God, to point to him, to 
declare something of who he is, his creativity, his sovereign power, his beauty and his wonders. The very stars sing of God. And it undone me. I didn't say it to my friend at the time, but I wanted to cry because I saw in this moment a truth that I longed to believe. I saw a rock of security that I wanted to be able to stand on. Creation itself sings of God's beauty and power. The God who is there, as Francis Schaeffer said, as opposed to the utter meaninglessness and randomness of the universe. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. We live next to Footscray Meadows, me and my family. And it's a place I love, actually. And I go there often. I run there. I take my kids there, play football. And in the summer when the grass is long and the crickets singing, it sounds so loud. And it's beautiful. And I, tell, I say to my kids, what are they singing? What are they saying? And their reply is an answer. I've been teaching them since they were born. They say they're singing. They're declaring glory to God. Glory to God. What else could they sing? I'm sure someone here with a zoology degree can tell me there's some other reasons that they're singing. But I don't care. I'm holding on to that. Glory to God. It's the song of all creation. C.S. Lewis, the uh, author of the Narnia series in his book, The Magician's Nephew. It's a great book. I was going to bring it. I wanted to read little bits out of it because it's so fascinating. He imagines the great lion Aslam creating Narnia by singing it into existence. It's a beautiful couple of chapters, eight and nine. I recommend reading. It's not just for kids. It's brilliant. It's a great, great fictional account of, of creation. It's amazing. And the character of the song is seen in the, the shapes and the colours of all that springs up out of nothingness. But, but Lewis delights to point out that the song could not be separated from the singer. And that, that when your eyes saw the singer, he eclipsed everything else. We're created to sing because it leads us joyfully to the great singer, the creator of the heavens and earth. Our singing should sound like him, look like him, and lead our hearts to him. We don't worship the created art of singing, we worship him. Creation leads us to sing, but we're not left in the dark. He has given us his word, not left to work it all out and kind of make it up a bit based on our feelings and emotions. He gave us a book that is truth, and he commands us to sing and worship him in that truth. That's important, because song gets into us deeply. We sing naturally, and it's full of emotion, but we sing in response to revelation. God reveals himself and who he is to us, and this is who we worship. He gives us truth to follow and instruction on how we worship. It's so important that we don't fashion for ourselves a God of our own making, but we follow the one who's revealed himself to us. Singing starts with God himself. It's found throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New. Many songs reminding those who sing them of who God is and what he has done. He commands us to sing. It says in Psalm 149, it says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly, in his people. There's over... This is a fact for you. There's over 400 references to singing in the Bible. There's 50 direct commands. So I think it's a pretty done deal, really, that God wants us to be a singing people. Right in the middle of the Bible is an actual songbook, the Psalms, full of the full range of human emotion and truth and experiences. And nothing's held out from these songs. Good times, sad times, times of recognising sin and needing to repent the lot. And we should pay attention to this model. 
There is power in song. It's not meant to be airy-fairy and mystical, but real, based on revelation and truth, expressive of the, the reality that life can sometimes be hard and sometimes we mess up, as well as the triumph and the victory. Songs should speak of God's love and grace and also of his glory and power. I love it when we sing songs together that are obvious in their declaration of Jesus and his lordship, not kind of a guessing game. Throughout church history, the, the church has particularly used the Psalms as the songbook to be sung together, and that's because they're full of truth, and that's the key. It's not the style, as I said to you before, it's the truth that's contained. So let me recommend you do that at home. Use the Psalms in your private devotions. Use that book to sing out to God his truth and the, find an expression for your emotions and the things you're going through. The Apostle Paul, he assumes that to be the case when he says in Colossians 3.16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. God loves sung worship. He's given this gift to us and it helps us to remember scripture to truth deep and down. So I mean, think about it. How hard is it to memorise lines, cold lines? It's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard. But we remember songs just like that, don't we? They get right into us. It's amazing. Songs contain a... Sorry, that, that can work for the good and the bad. Can't it? I listen to loads of different types of music and I love loads of different types of music. But sometimes you can find yourself singing a song that you totally disagree with. You think, why am I doing that? Because it's such a catchy tune, it just gets into you. But songs contain a life philosophy. Music is a, is a language of emotion in every culture and every age. It's, a, it's capable of affecting us in profound and subtle ways. And singing acts as a way of driving words of what we're singing deep down into us. And as we sing, we, we get it in and it can shape us. So we need to be careful. But what a powerful gift it is. It's the same way when we sing together, when we meet. Our songs actually shape our theology far more than we realise. And that's why it's so important to have great godly worship leaders who take the time to read through the lyrics that we sing. It's a really big responsibility. We should pray for these guys. We should thank them for what they do. I'm not advocating, as I said to you earlier, just singing the pure psalms and talking about the truth that's contained in them. I love the songs we sing and I pray for many more new creative songs to be written and for creativity in this area. Why wouldn't our creative God want to do that? And, I, and I, I, it's great that we know there's, there's, there's many guys who are getting together, praying, seeking God, worshipping together and bringing, putting new songs into place. And thing. We, we pray for that. It's wonderful. But we need it to be Bible-saturated, hearts and minds. Judges 5.11 says the word of God is singable. We can sing the word of God. Martin Luther, the reformer and a great theologian, he, he also thought a lot about singing and sung theology and its power. And he wrote songs and he chose songs for his church that they should sing. He was so concerned about it. He said this, let God speak directly to his people through the scriptures and let his people respond with grateful songs of praise. Many of Luther's enemies actually feared his hymns more than the man himself. Singing was at the heart of the Reformation. The words we sing are important. It's not just that we sing, but also what we sing. It's the word of Christ, the gospel that should dwell in us richly as we sing. The largest portion of our singing content should be the truths that we're responding to, not just the words about the effect that the truth has on us. Singing together 
binds us in unity, knits our hearts together, and that's a good place to be. It enables us to spend extended times and uh, expressing the same thoughts and passions. But unity ultimately rests on the gospel and not singing. We're united by the words we sing, not the style. I don't really care too much about the style. Obviously, like anyone else, I've got preferences and, and tastes, just like us all. But it's the words that matter. And the Bible tells us what our focus should be. Jesus, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The lamb of God, Christ, must always be central to our singing together. Why? Because Jesus is the one who makes it possible. God doesn't hear us on account of our skill in singing. Praise God for that in my case. But he hears us because it's in his son. We need to not only know that we ought to sing as Christians, but actually love to sing as Christians. I guess that's the why do we sing. The why is because we're a saved people. It happens when we dwell on the radiance of Jesus and his saving work in the goodness of his grace and beautiful holiness of God. Saved people sing of our joy and our freedom, our reconciliation back to the God who made us, our new relationship with him. We sing of our new life in Jesus, our adoption as sons and daughters. We sing of his perfect love and union with us. Songs enable us, enable the word of Christ, the, the great redeemer, to dwell in our hearts richly through all that goes on in life. That's why it says in Acts 16 about Paul and Silas who were beaten up, who were stripped, who were wrongfully chucked in jail. What were they found doing in the middle of the night? They were singing. Even persecution and difficulty couldn't stop them and the, the song that they had to sing. It's joy inexpressible. It's amazing grace to the undeserved and it wells up in us and overflows out. We declare the excellencies of God together and in it we strengthen the church, each other, and share his glory with the world. This response to revelation spurs worship on in public together, but it should do in private as well throughout the week. Donald Whitney says quite provocatively, how is it possible to worship God publicly once each week when we don't worship him privately throughout the week? Can we expect the flames of our worship of God to burn brightly in public on Sunday when they barely flicker for him in secret on the other days? Isn't it because we do not worship well in private that our corporate worship together can sometimes dissatisfy us? It's a call to spend time worshipping at home, singing to God. When we see the beauty of Christ and taste the goodness of his loving kindness, his grace to us that is poured lavishly upon us as a free gift, when we reflect on the gospel, on Jesus daily, part of that worship is singing. Absolutely, read our Bibles and pray. That's a vital part of our relationship with Jesus. But put on some worship songs and sing as well. Enjoy him in that way. What a start to the day. Sing out the gospel daily. Declare its power and feed your faith. And as we sing it, it goes into us. Sing in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He, he comes to help us where we struggle. If you've got the gift of tongues, sing in tongues. It builds us up for all that God has for us each day. And it warms our hearts up when we're cold. How often do we need that? I know I do. Psalm 92, 4 says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. Joy should characterise us, not superficial smiles, but deep down joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He is a joyful God. And there's more joy to be found in Jesus than there is anywhere else. 
Our joy is a witness to others. Dave was talking about that last week, wasn't he? People are looking for genuine joy that doesn't perish. We sing when we become Christians because we become worshippers of the living God. We're all singers. We no longer have to fear eternal separation from God. Death is merely the doorway to unspeakable joy. Sin has been conquered. Hell is overcome. And Jesus has saved us to enjoy unending pleasures at God's right hand forevermore. You want to sing yet? Because I know I do. We have a song to sing. And it's a song that no trial and no disease and no struggle and no persecution, no power on earth in hell can stop. Amen. So to end, we sing because we're created to. We sing because we're commanded to, but mostly we sing because we are compelled to in response to his grace. We sing as an overflow of the grace that we've received and the wonderful God has revealed himself to us in his son, Jesus. There are always reasons to sing a new song to the Lord. Every day his mercies are new. Praise God. We sing in unity together as a people to knit our hearts together And we sing privately in worship and in devotion to stir our hearts to follow him and believe his truth. We sing because to come into the presence of God. Wow, how we long for this. And when we sing great truths, great things happen. I often think about the Battle of Jericho in the Old Testament and how the Israelites have been promised this land flowing with milk and honey. And yet the first thing, the first things they... uh, encounter our obstacles and there's this massive obstacle this massive walled city called Jericho and you must have think they must be saying what what about your promise God I thought you were with us why is this happening to us what are we going to do about it we all have those obstacles don't we it's called life we're not immune to hardships and disappointments we all get tired we all get fed up but what does God tell them to do because the immediate response in my mind would be strategy how many fighters have we got how are we going to break this down? Is there a wood that we can get some wood and siege this place and starve now? Or, or doubt the character of God? Did God really say that? Oh, should we find another way around? Is there something else? We could, should we just leg it? But God says to Joshua, trust me, obey me, and I'll work a miracle. I'll do the fighting. Come and worship me and walk around the, the walls and make music. Now, he doesn't say in the text that they sing, but I'm pretty sure in my mind that they would be singing, singing great truths. Imagine the people thinking, this is a time out. Seriously, we haven't got time for this, Joshua. What are you talking about? We've got time to do that. Look, this is a massive walled city. Let's, let's do something actually practical to work this out. This is an interruption to us, a waste of time. We don't have the energy, but Joshua, he leads them to obey. And God in his mighty power breaks the walls down. Whatever we're facing in life, at work, whatever big challenges we've got as a church, trying to reach people, the many hundreds and thousands of people around us. It's impossible. But we can think and we can plan, but we come and worship. And when we do that, we put our trust in the one who is able to break the walls down. The one who knows the best way through. The one who's building his church. If we need answers, let's start by coming and worshipping him. Coming into the loving, wonderful, loving presence of God. This is where we get refreshed. This is where we get fresh energy for life. It's not an interruption to us. The band are going to come back up now, if that's right. We're going to come and worship together and sing for a bit of an extended time. I want to encourage you also to come and 
declare the truth and worship throughout the week, Monday through, sing, sing, sing your hearts out to God. And whatever you're facing, if you need refreshment, re-envisioning, if you're in a dry season where you're not feeling God's presence, come and sing. Or if you're in overflowing with joy, keep singing. And be expectant in our worship for breakthrough and change. It's not a time out. It's not an interruption for us. Let's come into his wonderful presence now as a redeemed, loved people. And let's worship the King of Kings.